Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Speaking of holidays, we have recently been on holidays, went you know, three and a half, two and a half weeks, I think it was, we had holidays. And, and for me, when I think of holidays, we do lots of things as a family, but the, the main thing I think of, when I think of holidays, I think beach. I, I do. I, you know, I'm the kind of, I'm a beach guy. I don't go to snow. We don't go to mountains. We don't go to log cabins. I mean, that, that's all good. If you like doing that, God bless you. That's awesome. You're missing out, but that's fine. <laughs> but a real holiday involves, you know, the, the beach, at least for me it does, it's, it's the beach. And there's nothing better than you know, getting your town and your bathers and, and, and going down to the beach. And you know what you do down the beach, don't you? You, you, you just you lay your towel down, get into your bathers. I'm not going to do that right now. Don't want to cause anyone to stumble. Um, why did you just do that, Paul? There's one thing more weirder and awkward than a woman doing that right now. It's you. So let's just got weird. But you know, it's like then you're in your bathing, you get the, the suntan lotion, you know, it's got to be factor 30 or 50 or higher these days. Can't just get good old fashioned tanning oil. Back in the day, we used to have, used to have baby oil. Remember that? Anyone like, used to put baby oil on and, and really work on your tan? Now it's like factor 30, you're like cement man. Anyway. <laughs> and you know how it goes? You sit down and you lie down and just get the sun on your body. Who knows what I'm on about? Give me an amen in the balcony up there. (laughs) Who likes the beach? And you know, at the end of the day, it's a great day. And uh, you've got to leave. And when you go to leave, you pick up your towel. And you're like, oh, that's right. The sand. And the sand gets everywhere. Have you noticed that? I mean, even when you wash out, it just gets everywhere. It just sticks to everything. In actual fact, there's a lot of people, and some of you out there this morning would say, that that's what I hate about the beach. It's the sand. And some of you may have even found yourself saying this, the beach would be great <laughs> if it wasn't for the sand. How many of you have ever said, I love the beach if it wasn't for the sand? But that's like saying, I love church if it wasn't for the people. (laughs) You can't have the beach without the sand. They go hand in hand. Just like you can't have church without people, they go hand in hand. If there is no sand, there is no beach. To all those who live in the UK, that's a newsflash for some of you. And so when it comes time to leave, you've got all this sand everywhere. What do you do? You can either sit there and complain, I don't like sand, sand's going everywhere, it's all over my now. Forgetting that you've just had an incredible day, forgetting that you've just enjoyed God's incredible creation for hours, and now just because there's one small moment in the day, now you're going to throw all that away just because there's a little bit of sand? 
It's like people, there's all these incredible things going on. And then there's these little things that stick to us in life. And we, we, we concentrate more on that than the incredible creation, the incredible opportunities that we have. And so you can complain and you can resolve that. I'm never going back to the beach again because there's too much sand. I'm not going to go to church again because there's too many people. I'm not going to do that job anymore because it's too hard. Or you can recognise the incredible day that you've had. You can recognise incredible creation that God has made for us to enjoy. And you can grab this small moment, and it's just a small moment of the day, and you can pick your towel up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. What a great day. And you can just start shaking off all the sand and getting rid of that which seems to want to stick to you. And leave and say, that was a great day. The choice is you. It's up to you. The choice is yours. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> and so this morning, I want to speak to you about a message that I've entitled, Shake It Off. Shake It Off. And to do that, I want to read from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28 and the first six verses. But I'm going to give you a little bit of background to what we're about to read. Basically, there's this man by the name of Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. And he was under prison guard. And because he'd been treated unfairly, he appealed to Caesar as a Roman citizen that he was, his, his charges against him were bogus, were not right. And so he said, I appeal to Caesar, which means he had to go from Jerusalem, where he was at the time, to Rome. And they didn't have cars and they didn't have motorbikes and they didn't have aeroplanes. And so the form of transportation was sea. And so they, they set out in this ship, they pulled into port and then they were ready to leave again to head toward Rome. And Paul being a discerning spiritual man that he was said, you know, it's not wise that we leave right now. If we leave dock right now, we're going to get in trouble. We need to winter here and then leave for Rome after winter. This did not please the authorities. They said, what would you know? And so they got in the boat and they set sail. And they sailed right into not just a storm, but the perfect storm. Have you ever seen the film, The Perfect Storm? This massive wave. I mean, they, they were in the perfect storm. And Paul said, like, I told you so. But for 14 days and 14 nights, they fought this storm and they never ate any food during that time. And the people were getting weak and Paul encouraged them to take something to eat because they were about to run ashore. And indeed, they did run ashore. The, broke, uh, the boat broke up, it was shipwrecked and they were encouraged to grab whatever they could and swim to this small island, which was an island that was unknown to them. They didn't know what they were going to encounter, they didn't know what they were going to experience, they just knew it was land. There was 276 people, including Paul, on that ship and the amazing thing is that they all survived. And they found themselves on this island, and that's where I want to pick up this story. Acts chapter 28, verse 1 says, After we, brought, sorry, after we were brought to safety, uh, we learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it began to rain and it was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said 
to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. Many things we can draw from this account of Paul's life. I want to draw from a few this morning. And my first thought that I want to draw from is simply this. Watch what crawls out the woodwork when the heat is on. You've got to watch what crawls out of the woodwork when the heat is on. See, some things only come out when the heat is turned up. In other words, everything's fine when everything's fine. Have you noticed that? When things are going well, everything's going well. This particular creature that was in the wood, led to believe it's a snake or a viper of sorts, was happy to stay in the wood. He wasn't a snake that woke up with a bad head and a bad attitude and was attacking everybody. No, he was happy to stay in the wood. The only thing that drew him out of the wood was the heat. And it's when the heat is on that you'll find out what's really going on on the inside of you and others. You may have some friends. I've had plenty of friends in my time. And it's amazing who we call friends. And we call them friends because while everything's fine, it's fine and we call them friends. But have you ever tested a friendship? Have you ever tested a friendship? Have you ever turned up a heat on a friendship? Uh, it may look like this. You're enjoying one another's company. They've got young kids and, and you, know, you, you put up with their young kids doing a few things around your house for a time and, and then they come back again and they do the same thing. They come back again, they do the same thing. They come back again, they do the same thing. And you notice this is a habit and a pattern, not just in your home, but you know, at church and other places that you go out with them. And so you think, you know, as a friend, I want to give some loving parental advice because you know, we're friends. We can help each other. You're thinking, I want to help. And, and so you, you sit them down and you have a conversation and you say, hey, look, you know, um, this is not easy for me to do. This is not something I've noticed as a one-off. This is something I've noticed as a pattern over time. And you start speaking into the attitudes, the actions of their children and the friendship that you thought you had. It's amazing what comes out at that moment. It's kind of like, you know, we're fun. Can't wait to do this again. Let's go to the movies. You start talking about the kids. It's like, <laughs> what would you know? <laughs> you don't have to know what I, you don't know what I put up with. And, and you're dealing with all this stuff. Be careful what crawls out the woodwork when the heat is on. But that also applies not just in the people in your world, but in your own attitudes and actions. You can say that I'm generous. But you only ever know you're generous when the opportunity to be generous is before you. So if you don't have an opportunity to be generous, you can say, I'm a generous person. But when the offering buckets come by on a Sunday morning, we say, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and we can find some things that are in us that we never knew were there until the heat was on. See, while there was no bucket going by, there's no heat. But the, the closer that bucket gets to us, the greater the heat. And so be careful what crawls out of the woodwork when the heat is on. Secondly, beware of the whisperers. 
Beware of the whisperers. It says in this account, when the people saw, they said. In other words, they were watching what was going on. They were watching this man, Paul, pick up some wood. They were watching him putting it on the fire. They were watching this snake grip his arm. And they were watching. And then they started commenting about what they saw. Can I just say this? When there's a group of people, they're in close proximity, whispering, it's not usually good. Beware of the whisperers. And what they were saying, this is what you got to get, was not untrue. In other words, their observation was absolutely correct. What they observed was true. This man has been bitten by a snake. They saw with their own eyes. Their observation was 100% correct. Where they got it wrong was in their interpretation of their observation. And this is where we often get it wrong, not necessarily by what we see, but by how we interpret what we see. And so in our mind right now, we've made up all sorts of ideas about a certain person or a certain situation because we haven't interpreted correctly. They had written this man off as a murderer. He must be guilty. He's guilty. He's a murderer and he's about to die. And they watched to see when he would die. There are a lot of people in life and in church that are just sitting around waiting for you to die. Someone's carrying all the chairs. Someone just sits back. Whoa, that's going to hurt him. How long he's going to do that for? The amazing thing to me is none of them who saw what just happened offered to help. Someone could have got in there and done the whole suck and spit thing. You know how you do that with the suck and spit with the, with the uh, poison? But they're just sitting back waiting for him to die. That's like a lot of Christians I know. Sitting back. I mean, we, we need to applaud and we need to celebrate and we need to reward all those that are in the car park this morning. When you see them, you need to buy them a drink. You need to just put some praise and encouragement their way. Or sit there, oh, they can't keep doing that. For, I mean, like, come on. I, I think 2014 has to be a year where we stop sitting around whispering and start getting involved and helping. They, they could have just got in and actually helped. They could have helped the situation instead of hindered the situation. But they judged with their eyes and, they, and, and that was it. And yet Jesus said, don't judge by mere appearances, but make a right judgment. In other words, he didn't say you shouldn't judge. He said you shouldn't judge by what you see, but you should investigate and find out and make a judgment then. Make a judgment that is right not just by what you see or even by what you hear. Let's not write people off this year just because of what we see. Let's get involved. You know, instead of talking to one another, they would have found out a lot more if they actually spoke to the person. It never ceases to amaze me. When we have an issue with individuals, we do everything but go to the person that's involved. And yet Matthew 18 tells us to do just that. If you have something against your brother, go to that person. Don't go to anybody else. And so all they had to do is offer help. 
do the second spit and get involved in the situation. Instead, they took a step back. They spoke amongst themselves. And because, and because they had passed judgment, it removed the responsibility from them back to he must be guilty, so he's getting his just desserts. As opposed to here's a man in need, I can help. So beware of the whisperers in 2014, which brings me to my third point, and it's simply this, in keeping with my title, shake that thing off of you. You know, all the things I've talked about, you know, there are some things we can't stop coming our way. There are some things, you know, that the, the, the best of us are still going to have to face. You can be the best Christian imaginable, but you're still going to have bad things happen to you. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because bad things happen to everyone and good things happen to everyone. It's just the way God designed it. The sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. And, and so it is with us. And we've got to learn to shake some of these things off of us. If you've had a bad year, you've got to shake it off. If you've had a bad divorce, separation, you've got to learn to shake these things off. If you receive some bad news, you've got to shake it off. I mean, can you imagine Paul? He's being accused by everyone and yet he's actually an innocent man. He survives a shipwreck. He comes to this island. He offers to help. If he didn't help, he wouldn't have got bitten. So here he is helping with the fire. He gets bit and now he's got a snake on his arm. And I imagine he's thinking, are you kidding me? I've just survived the perfect storm. Now I've got a snake on the end of my arm. And instead of allowing that moment to get the better of him, what does he do? He just shakes it off. And he shakes it off into the fire. That's what we've got to learn to do this year. He shakes some things off. I would love to tell you, you know, if you read your Bible and if you pray, bad things won't happen to you. I would love to say that every time in your life that you're going through a tough time, you're going to have a support network there. There's going to be people offering you meals and that does happen here. But there are some moments you have to face alone. There are some moments, even with all the support around you, you feel alone. And it's how we handle those moments that are going to be really important to us moving forward this year. See, I'm not talking about living in denial. I'm talking about having a positive response to a negative situation. Do you know a battery? You know what a battery is? On one end of the battery is a positive, on the other end is a negative. And it's the positive and the negative that gives us power. If there's two positives, the battery wouldn't work. It wouldn't generate the power required. It takes a positive and a negative in your life to equal power. See, if everything goes well in our life, people don't see that as you don't need power. If every day you wake up and you have no problems, you don't need power. But when you have a negative situation and you have some teaching to put a positive attitude and a positive spin on a negative situation, people say, wow, that's power. Tell me more about your life. I know you're struggling in your marriage right now. I know you're struggling in your health right now. I know, but the way you're overcoming, wow, that's power. Tell me more. We need the negative situations in our lives to have the power. 
We need to learn to shake things off. I remember many years ago growing up with this story, and many of you have probably heard it. But it's a story of a farmer who had an old donkey that he was very fond of. And this donkey that he loved and cared for and nurtured for many, many years fell into a pit. And try as he might, he couldn't pull the pit out. And much to his dismay, he thought, I'm going to have to bury the very donkey that I love and have lived with for so many years and has been such a help on the farm. And so he started burying this donkey. And as he started throwing in the shovels, one after the other, after the other, he noticed something about that donkey that the donkey would just shake off every shovel of dirt and tread it in and shake it off and tread it in. True story. Shake it off, tread it in. And then he got this idea. So he called all the farm help that he could and they all started throwing dirt in on this donkey. He kept shaking it off and treading it in, shaking it off, treading it in until there's enough dirt underfoot to fill in the whole entire pit and he just walked out. If a donkey can do that, you can do it too. Any donkeys in the house? Imagine if that donkey, oh, everyone hates me, nobody loves me. I don't even have any worms to eat. But now he shakes it off and uses it to gain ground. And I want you to this year, use what is coming your way. Use your present moment, your present situation to shake it off and gain ground. So you've made some mistakes, shake it off, gain ground because of your mistakes. Become a better person because of your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. Our mistakes should be the very thing that propel us forward into our future. Shake off the cloud that cripples our future. See, a doctor may give you a death sentence because he's just doing his job. That's not his fault. He's just, he's just being as real as he knows how. And I'm not asking at that moment for you to live in denial. I, I, I'm saying this, if you only have six months to live according to the doctor, what you do in that six months is going to be very telling. Many people die before their time because they listen to the voice of negativity or they listen to the negative reports that come their way. And even if you do only have six months to live, why not live it to the full? Because the reality is you will live as long as God wants you to live, but it's what we do in this life that counts. And so I want you to shake some things off. And so if you've had a bad report, a bad physical report, if you're not dead, then you're not done. It means you've got something to do and you can encourage people right up to your last. I had the opportunity last year to go to New Zealand and to spend some time with some incredible leaders. And one of those leaders was a man by the name of Phil and he was leading a church in Newcastle that he's recently just had to hand over. It's recently become a, a, a church of Hillsong. He was doing incredible things and, and, and it seemed like his race had been cut short because he'd been diagnosed with a particular condition. And granted, there was evidence of that condition in his body and in his life. There were certain shakes and, and when we did certain things, he needed helping down the stairs and helping into um, certain places that we went to. But then he had this opportunity to speak to us. And instead of just telling us his condition, instead of just telling us what the doctor had said, instead of just sitting on a couch waiting to die, although that is his future, he started preaching the Word of God to us. And I want to tell you, there were some great preachers there that day and there were some great leaders there that day. And there were some guys that were teaching that day that had larger churches than this man had. But I want to tell you my takeaway thought from that whole trip 
That takeaway session from that trip was this man who was in a situation where he'd been given a death sentence, but he was living his life to the last. And he was talking to us out of Psalm 23 and talking about a whole heap of truths that he's learned from the Word of God. And every one of us in that room was arrested that here's this man being used more on his deathbed than many people who are full in hell. And it's an incredible encouragement to me and to everyone in that room. And I actually think, if I was to ask, what was your favourite session? It was that session. Because there's something powerful when people don't live in denial, but they overcome their realities. In Romans chapter 4, it talks about a man by the name of Abraham. And it says, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And yet God had given him a promise. You're going to bear a son. He's like, me bear a son? I can't bear a son. I'm too old. My wife's too old. He did not live in denial. He faced the fact that he was old. Some of you need to face the fact that you're old. Yet he did not waver through unbelief concerning the promises of God. That's what we're going to get a hold of. And Abraham trusted God. He believed God. He said, I can't do it, but God can. And so I'm not asking that this year we go into denial. I'm talking about us facing our realities head on and shaking off the death sentence over our lives that says, you're gonna die, so you may as well die now. Hey, here's a newsflash. Every one of us is dying. We're all gonna die. Sorry to cheer you up this morning, but we're all gonna die. But it's what we do in life that matters. And I believe the only way we're gonna really live life to the full is when we learn to shake off some of the death sentences have been put our way. I've told this story many times before, but when Kath was pregnant, we noticed on the ultrasound that there was a, uh, a problem with this unborn child. And they showed us on the x-ray. And they said, can you see, can you see, can you see? And we said, yeah, we can see, I can see it. I'm not denying that. But this I know. Because they were trying to say to us, you know, because of these problems, we, we strongly advise you to abort, strongly. And then they gave us a week to think about it. We came back a week later. We said, we're not going to do it. They got angry with us. They, they told us we we're being irresponsible parents. Kind of like they were saying, the world doesn't need more problems like that. But this is how Kath and I faced it. We faced the reality. And I never forget that night lying in bed, Kath next to me, holding hands with tears in our face. We said this, Lord, we know that you know best. And we know that you are in control no matter what happens or comes our way. And we know that you've graced our lives to handle whatever comes our way. And if this child is born and never speaks, and I never get to hear this child say, Daddy or Mummy, then I entrust this child to you, knowing that we will have the grace for that moment, if and when. This is not denial. This is us putting it fairly and squarely back on God. I told three people to keep us accountability in our joy levels. We didn't tell anybody else. We didn't tell anybody we didn't feel would stand with us in faith. We didn't want whisperers around us. We didn't want well-meaning Christians giving us well-meaning advice that brings death into the situation. We didn't want people coming around and saying, hey, look, we just thought we'd cook a meal because we know your life's going to change after the baby. Oh, we don't want that. We wanted to stay in faith. 
And you know, when Mitchie was born, some of the things that they picked up in the ultrasound, they, they weren't lying, they were doing their job. But what we found for the last 14 years is really this incredible kid to nurture and to love, a kid that has brought us so much joy. And you watch this space. His, his, his days are just beginning. The best is yet to come for him. And I say that to say this, that they wanted and they thought they had the right to put this child to death because it didn't fit into their normal. Got to shake it off. And to think that there were days where we didn't have certain thoughts, we did. And you know what we did with those thoughts? We shake it off. How do you shake it off? You go to the gym. You talk to positive people. You watch a good movie. You listen to a good message. You read the Bible. You get a good book. You do something that's positive. You add a positive to your negative and you get power. That's what it's all about. I'm preaching better than you're responding, but I'll forgive you. It's awesome. Glory. Glory. Woo. Brings me to point number four very quickly. What God reveals, He heals. You've got to get this. Paul shook the snake off into the fire. You've got to get this. The very thing that exposed the problem was the fire. The very thing that dealt with the problem was the fire. What God reveals, He reveals so that He can heal. You know what? Coming to church and giving your life to God is going to cause you pain. You're going to have things revealed in a relationship with God, in a relationship with God's people that you never had revealed before. But it's not to point a finger. It's not to hurt you long term. And and I categorically want to say, being in this church is going to cause you pain. And you're going to find out things about yourself that you never knew existed. And you're going to blame the church. But before you blame the church and leave, can I just say this? The answer is also found in the church. The church will seemingly cause the problem. P.S. The problem was always there. See, the snake was always in the wood. It wasn't like as the wood came closer to the fire, the snake jumped into the wood. The the snake was always there. It was a fire that exposed what was already there. It was a fire that exposed what was already in the wood. And the fire of God, the fire of God's word, the fire of preaching, the fire of worship, the fire of genuine relationships, the fire of mentoring taking place, the fire of discipleship is going to expose things in your life you don't like. And so when I've spoken to people about their children, it's not like I'm pointing a finger, just want to hurt them. In exposing it, we're offering help. And so if your children are off the rails, if your children are struggling in there, we're not saying, ha, and leave it there. We say we want to get alongside and help. So don't get offended before you receive the help. What God reveals, He also heals. Fifthly, be patient. It says, after waiting a long time and seeing no ill effect. You've got to get this. They expected Him to die and they waited. They sat around waiting for Him to die. That's horrible. That is horrible. That's not what friends do. It's not what friends do. Sit around waiting for you to die. That's what they were doing. And it says, after waiting a long time, not a short time, 
You imagine five minutes go by, I just wait, just wait, just wait. Yeah, okay, so he hasn't died yet. You wait, wait. Ten minutes go by. No, you wait. You watch it, watch, watch, watch him, watch him. Fifteen minutes go by. No, seriously. Maybe it wasn't that poison. Maybe he didn't get the best grasp, you know. Maybe it, wasn't, maybe it wasn't the death adder that I thought it was. Maybe it was a more of a, a, a less venomous snake. And, and so all the excuses start coming. But he will die. He will die. But just, just give it time. Give it time. You know, give it time. An hour goes by. They're watching him. Every snake I know on this island that bites you, you're dead within... Now, a half an hour's gone by. An hour's gone by. Two hours gone by. Three hours gone by. It's not that he hasn't died. He's not even sick. And with every minute that goes by... Something's taking place on the inside of them. See, more often than not, the difference between success and failure is simply time. So you've got to learn to wait. I've had the privilege of meeting with many pastors over our time, and I just met with four recently, this, this uh, year alone. Four different pastors have come to me asking questions about our perceived success and uh, in every conversation I've had, they've always asked this question, how did you get your church to grow? Every pastor, four different pastors, four different denominations, all came to me and said, how do you get your church to grow? How have you broke through these certain numerical barriers? And to every person who asked me that question, I said this, I can't answer that question specifically without laying the foundation of time. Whatever I'm about to tell you is on the foundation of 20 years. 20 years is the biggest part of our success. The difference between success and failure, more often than not, is a little thing called time. So just like I'm going to have to teach our puppy to stay, God wants to teach us to stay. Don't run. I know you want to run, but stay. And you're going to hear many of my funny stories as I struggle to get this little dog to stay. But the one thing harder than getting a puppy to stay is getting people to stay. And this little puppy doesn't know that I've had 20 years of experience of getting people to stay. So try as he might, I'm going to win this battle with this little dog. He's in for a hiding to nothing. As the band come, let me close with this point. Let your mess become a message. Let your mess become a message. Paul got bitten. People condemned him. People judged him. People cast judgment upon him. But it was after waiting a period of time, it says they changed their minds and said he was a God. Now, this was not a God like in Lystra where they bowed down and worshipped him. But in acknowledging he was a God, they were saying, no, we, we were wrong about you. The thing that we saw, the mess that was in your life, is the very thing that they were able to draw upon to come to a conclusion about where they were at. God opened their mind. What they once held against him became his testimony. This is what you've got to get. If you had a bad marriage and an ugly divorce, be it because of him or her, I'm sure somewhere in the mix you were there, 
But your ability to do relationships 20 years later better than the ugliness of the marriage split is your testimony. And so what people want to hold against you because of a divorce, a marriage, a mistake, can be the very thing that becomes your testimony. You know, those who know me would know that by nature I'm a very impatient man. I am. I'm just impatient. I want everything now. Anyone like that? Anyone out there who's impatient? If you know that about me, you would know Tony's impatient. Oh yeah, he's impatient. And I may even start the whispers now. He, give you permission right now just to agree. I, I'm, for those who know me, I'm impatient. But this is my testimony that I have a legacy of patience. We celebrate our church 20 years. Do you know in this city of Adelaide, there's not too many pastors who have led the same church for that long. So what is it about this impatient guy named Tony that can have a track record of patience? Let me tell you about it. His name is Jesus. My mess, my failings, my insecurities, my weaknesses, the things I, I, I wish weren't there, but they're there. I wish I wasn't like that, but I am. With God, can be changed. And so I can't tell you three steps to being patient, but I can tell you a man who is the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Perspective. He's the Prince of Hope. He's the Prince of Calm. He stood up one day, did Jesus in the boat when the storm was blowing, and he said, be still, and it was. And so when I'm getting all frantic and upset because I'm an impatient man by nature, I said, Jesus, you calm the storm, now calm the storm within me, and I find this peace. And I do another year. Wow, how do we do that? There's lots of testimonies to this church being 20 years of age. I'm probably one of the biggest testimonies to that story, that I'm still around. Because I like change, I like new, I like travel, I like so many things. And whatever your story is, whatever your mess, whatever your failings, whatever your shortcomings, whatever your weaknesses are, if you let God in, they can become the very things that will be your strongest story, your strongest testimony. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 